You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, 500 Days of Summer, our guest today, director Mark Webb, creates a slightly twisted, offbeat romantic comedy about a woman who doesn't believe true love exists and a neurotic young man who falls for her. Webb directs short films, music videos, and commercials. 500 Days of Summer is his directorial feature film debut. Mark Webb, welcome to film school. Thank you. How are you today? I appreciate that. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing real good. Thanks. Thanks for being here. I was I, I was tuning in a little bit before I, I caught your your discussion on Kubrick. It was very Uh-oh. nice. So the, the handle the handle music from Barry Lyndon. Yeah, that's so very dramatic. Powerful. Yeah. 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 That, what? Actually, I, I used that in a short film about five or six years ago uh, uh, for as temp music, and then I couldn't. We had somebody try to score it. It just it, it ended up being too powerful. I couldn't I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah, now you have a. Speaking of Kubrick, do you have a favorite? A favorite Kubrick movie? Yeah. Uh, 2001. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I know that's obvious. I mean, but, but and, you know, I actually kind of like Spartacus, too. Really? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but 2001 is just. I think it's probably the first Kubrick movie I saw. And it, it, it just, you know. I was into space, and I think it opened it up in a way that I, 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 I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh-huh. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of space, I mean, you're, you've already you've, you've left the launch pad. You're certainly <laughs> in orbit. Do you, do you feel like you've rocketed toward the moon yet? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It, I was just I was just talking to Mike. It's it's you know we we finished shooting this movie over a year ago, and then you know it took us a, you know a few months to finish. Then we premiered it at Sundance, and then every week or so we were at a different film festival you know sort of shilling it across the country and and finally it's coming out so it's like been this really long gradual process uh, and, and it's it's really it's it's really great to have it out there officially you know so people can 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 see it and and i think the reaction has been been pretty strong i guess and and given the amount of theaters that we're in and, and it's 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 been a fun ride you know yeah. what can i say now oftentimes we will get uh, uh directors on who have lived with a film for so long by the time they get to this point they're really uh, i mean not that they have they've devalued their work here at all but they, they just you sound like somebody who has lived with this film for quite some time now <laughs> well i i mean put it this way i i have i've only seen the movie once in the last Six months because I watched it so many times. Uh, it's, but I'll tell you what the, the fun part is. There's a bunch of people like the writer Scott Newsetter, Michael Weber, and I, and, and some of the producers. Like we, we've all been on this ride together, so it's been this sort of cool social experience in a way. And it's 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 yeah. all of our first real films, and and it, that's what makes it kind of special is getting to share it with a lot of people. And so that that's what makes it sort of it pays dividends emotionally. Uh, but it's the, the movie, you know, I don't know. I, I really am proud of the movie. And I'm oh, very you should be. I'm to put it out there. So, so it's, it's, it's not that much of a drag yet. No, I mean, no, I, no. I, I, under, I didn't, I shouldn't have implied that. It's just, no. it, it, it should be, you should be very proud of it. But based on the reaction from Sundance, did you anticipate this kind of a, a reaction across as you got closer? Or Did you have a theatrical uh, d- deal going into Sundance for this? Yeah, we did. We actually, we, we made it with Fox Searchlight. Uh, the special—it's a special division of, of Fox, yeah, right. and uh, we um, 
so we we knew we had distribution that was secured. It was made under, uh, you know, it was, it's a low budget film certainly, uh, but we, we it was a slightly different experience than some people's at Sundance in that we didn't we weren't there selling it. We were there in the in the premiere section, which is yeah, yeah. movies that already have distribution. God, that uh, that must take so much pressure in terms of just yeah. how you going in, especially at something like Sundance where. The world is watching uh, Sundance and going in and not and not getting a deal coming out of Sundance. Would it, it's just the trauma that must inflict on a filmmaker has got to just really yeah. really be pretty pretty harsh. I, I would imagine. I mean, there's people there that and, and they had poured so much of their life into it and a lot of their own money and, and yeah. it was. But there's also it breeds this sort of culture of of acceptance. Like everybody knows what everybody else has been through and and. And it's uh, people tend to be really supportive, and that's uh, that's cool. And it's also it, it's a it's a it's an achievement in and of itself for for everybody there. I think that you yeah. know, regardless of where they get distribution, obviously that's a that's a goal of a lot of people. But it's just it's such a fun experience, and it's a great place where people can who love movies can go and see movies that probably won't you know get out to the mainstream or may not get out to the mainstream. Yeah. So now. It- you talked about a little bit about the writers Scott Newstatter, is it, and Michael yep. Weber. Uh, yep. How did you run into them? Well, I got in the script. I'd done a lot of music videos, and I met the the producer sort of on a general meeting. And he gave me the script, and and eventually I I sort of I went through the process. I I, I really liked it, and I you know made my appeals to the producers and 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 the powers that be, and I eventually got hired. And then we I met the writers at, at a lunch with one of the producers because we had to work on some script notes and develop the script a little bit. Uh, and, and we sat down at lunch and we, we sort of traded all of our old relationship stories. And that was the beginning. Like we all, <laughs> you know, it was funny. It was it's like, a- uh, you know, it was, it, we broke bread and, 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 and talked, uh, uh, we, we were all sort of brothers and, and uh-huh. from different parts of the country <laughs> having had similar experiences with, uh, with uh, women in our lives. It was a pity party then. <laughs> a bit of a pity party. I don't want to yeah. give anything away, but I love the opening, just the opening, uh, the, uh, the, 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 yeah. the the way you open the film with the, the, the backstory, if you will, a little right. bit. The, yeah, exactly. The, this, there, there's, a little, there's a little note at the beginning of the, yes. of the movie that, that sort of, it does a lot of things, actually, not, try not to give it away. But no, no. The, 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 uh, the, you know, it lets you know that you're going to have to pay attention, you might have to read a little bit, this uh-huh. is sort of the movie that you expect or that you might expect when you go see a, a romantic comedy. It's also it's also where Tom's the, our protagonist. It's sort of like there's a sort of meta layer to this movie, obviously, and 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 it's sort of where Tom's head is at at the beginning of the movie, and is hopefully his head is at a different place at the end of it. I mean, I, you know, it's I think you were talking about it earlier. It's 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 hard to call it a romantic comedy. I mean, I think it's always to me. It's I think of it as a coming of age story masquerading as a romantic comedy yeah. and he has like this you know tom is it's 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 a very charming sort of neuroses he has uh, uh and, and i stop at saying neuroses but he's a sort of a let's be frank a little bit emotionally immature throughout the movie but it's a place that we've always been, all of us have been at some point or another and <laughs> or still are. Oh, i was gonna say we still are yes <laughs> yes i'm sorry yeah so it's uh, uh, but I like that. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that was in the script when I first read it because I was Mason Novick, one of the producers who gave it to me, uh, was like, "Hey, here's this script, it's kind of a romantic comedy." He's, Mason is the king of underselling, uh, which is why he's so great. And um, he uh, he gave it to me. And I, I, I left it in my backpack for like three weeks. I was like, I have no interest in doing a romantic comedy yeah. at all. 
<laughs> and finally, one day I felt obligated, and I, I picked it up, and the title sort of intrigued me. So I, I, I pulled it out, and I, uh, I read that first note, and I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, as I read it, it was just like, it was also, it's, it's a story of our relationship told from the guy's point of view. Yeah. And I thought that was sort of original and different, and, and I, I quickly felt like these guys felt the same way I did about, you know, romantic comedies. Now, now the, uh, the introduction to the film, uh, is mentions a name at the uh-huh. now who yeah who's, who's who does she belong to does that is that a real person is that a real name or <laughs> well let's put it there's about there's about 150 of those people on Facebook okay <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> you, you, in order to legally put it on there there has to be uh, oh that's a, funny above a certain number of people in the in the country with that name and, oh is that and, true. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. Okay. So, so it could be a real name, but okay. Well, but there are 150 be, but, uh, people. Uh, I, I can't tell you if it is or it is. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm. Gl- it doesn't matter at all. But it is kind of. It's just funny. It's just a great way to start the film. And uh, yeah. And and you're right. I like the fact that this is told from the guy's perspective. Often we get the romantic comedy told from, you know, what a what a uh, you know a burden it is to tr- to try to take these these uh relationships on for women and you know how they have to deal with how, how horrible men are and how what pigs we are right. and all that and this is just completely different and it's a it's a great take uh, it shows us shows people why we are pigs there's <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> not at all or what this guy this guy made every this guy makes every effort to make this relationship work although they have their back and forth and right. now what what inspired you to come up with the this technique of sort of hopscotching back and forth in time during well, that the was, that was always part part of the original concept of the film, and and I think it's uh, it's part of a bigger code, which is we're trying to get inside somebody's head, and we're trying to see this through his eyes. You yeah. know, that's the sort of conceit of the film. And the I think if you when you think back on relationships, um, you don't think about them in a linear way. You know, you you, you sort of tile things together and 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 try to deduce meaning and I feel like that's what Tom is trying to do uh, uh, and and so the other part of it is like this this is based on real events based on what happened to, to, to in some sense to what happened to Scott and like he's imposing some sort of structure on this to try to get some meaning out of it you know uh-huh. and, and so there's that sort of layer to it the other thing is it allows you it, it frees you up to sort of compare and contrast moments. Like there's an Ikea scene where there's two different versions of that where a joke, you know, he has, they have an inside joke that, that plays at one point in their relationship and just falls flat at another part of the relationship. Yeah. And, it, and that, that I, we always thought was a really interesting way to sort of look at a relationship and, and, and analyze it. So it allows the audience to sort of engage in this, in, a, in um, in a way that, that you're not used to, you know, and, and, and I just think it's an interesting, I mean, it just was one of those things that felt right, that yeah, worked, and yeah. it was what gave it a sort of spin. I mean, but, but again, it's, it's, all, it's most, all these things really are based out of the subjective reality. No, yeah, We're speaking I'm, with Mark Webb, and the film is 500 Days of Summer. Do you, do you have something? No, like? I just going to say, and, and to reinforce your point, I, I, it it isn't a you know your your aversion to the romantic comedy genre is is well founded. It, it, we've beaten <laughs> it to death, and so many so many other films. But this does give 
this uh, ability to, uh, as we all do in a relationship, our memories are are they fail us and then they and they reinforce a lot of these uh, you know our neuroses in the process. And this film really brings that point home. What, you looking back, you see what you want to see, you hear what you want to hear, and then as it as the relationship plays out. They they pretty much stayed consistent in their characters in the sense that her perspective at the beginning was in many ways her the perspective she carried through their relationship as they when they were together, right. and he refused to he just didn't want to hear it or see it exactly and exactly. and that's by doing this device by using this device you get to see all of that in 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 very creative yeah. ways. So, well, well, there's a stark contrast in the mood of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt between the scene where he's he's dancing for joy. And then the following oh, that's scene. A great scene. Now, is the, I know you've done uh, rock videos in the past. Is anything sure. in this uh, oh, you're doing? Was that scene originally in this uh, in the script? Well, yeah, that scene. Well, that scene was originally there was a Hall and Oates song in there that was scripted in, but uh-huh. it was it was more of a parade sequence. It was like yeah, it was actually very funny the way it was written. It was like Mary McCheese and Grimace <laughs> high fiving him and the Hamburglar. It was really really funny, but. The, the you know McDonald's wouldn't didn't want their characters to be associated with sex or something I don't know what it was. <laughs> but uh, but they uh, um, but I just felt like I mean I'm a big fan of uh, of old musicals and and uh, you know all the Stanley Don and stuff you're talking about Singing in the Rain earlier actually uh-huh. it's one of the great films uh, but the, the and I just you know it just felt like that was that sort of was a great way to describe that emotion. You know yeah. that that sense of joy at that moment, and I think that that was something that we built on, um, that was already in the script, and we sort of evolved, yeah. evolved into this sort of Bollywood, Jerome Robbins, Stanley Donovan <laughs> dance yeah. number. It was very funny. I I just got to tell you, it just I I it, because the film really uh, the the scene kind of builds. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know, it starts out. You know, right. he's getting a couple of high fives, and then by the time you get to the end of it, I don't want to give too much away. But now, music plays such music plays such an important yeah. role here too, yeah. with the karaoke scenes and just the mm-hmm. different moods that are expressed. Oh, was that written in at all, or is that something? You... Well, yes. I mean, some of the some of the um, some of the music was in like the, Scott Newstetter is like the biggest Smiths fan you've ever okay. seen. He's like, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of sad actually how into the Smiths he is. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense. They're an incredible band, and he um, he that scene in the elevator actually happened to him. So it was like it, it, that was one of the many things in the movie that was sort of plucked verbatim from his life. And uh, so that was written in. There was a couple other things that were written in, like the the Hall and Oates sequence didn't wasn't scripted exactly how we shot it, but it was similar. It was in there. The bones of it were in there, and then. Um, what else was written in there? I mean, there was, they actually had written cues in for every different, all, all the different um, scenes in the movie, but we didn't, um, we didn't, uh, we didn't end up using a lot of those. I, I yeah. incorporated some, like Regina Spector. I've done who, song plus you played. Mm-hmm. I've done a, a couple of music videos for her, and I have a relationship with her. And I just felt like from the very beginning, I know I wanted to use her in the. Yeah. And the credits, and then there's a, a sequence, the reality expectation sequence where we use her. And then most of the, most of the music is stuff that I come uh, come across. It's funny, like, people call this, like, an indie soundtrack, which I think is sort of weird because all the all the bands on it are major label artists, like mm-hmm. even Regina Spector, you know, Simon Garfunkel, Hall & Oates, yeah. The Smiths. They're, you know, it's not really indie. 
but you know whatever I guess in this in this day and age, this market of how how uh, screwed up radio is to some people, it does seem a, a bit like a an indie uh, music. It's kind of a sad right. comment on on the state of radio. But now, uh, now who who has the interest in in architecture? Uh, that was that was Scott. I mean, we were okay. trying to come up with. I mean, there's obviously we're trying to come up with opposite careers. And no offense to greeting card writers out there, but like, <laughs> you know, the, the greeting card office sort of fits his mentality, which is like a, 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 a reductive sort of simplification of mm-hmm. of big ideas like love and relationships and whatnot, uh, and that it's sort of disposable. And then. You know, there's this uh, the the sort of counterpoint that to that is architecture, which is something that is about building something and creating something bigger and lasting. And yeah. and you know, this was like again, there's a parallel in Scott's life. Like he was where he was working as a development uh, executive, and I don't think he was very pleased with that career. And and he really wanted to write and create. And and you, know, you can't set this movie in Hollywood; it would be very weird. Um, and so architecture was something that became emblematic of something bigger. And, and we, you know, when we, we shot at downtown Los Angeles and, and we all did our research uh, to sort of explore some interesting kinds of architecture, things that we thought had been unexplored at that point. Yeah. Was that, did that, which came first, the, the, the architecture or the city? Did, uh, did the, you... Well, the city did for sure. Okay. Like the, the, well, I mean, the architecture was in there as a concept. But we we didn't. It was the movie was originally set in San Francisco, ah. and um, which has a, a sort of a mystical storybook quality, which is again an important component of the film. Um, but we couldn't afford. To, you know, we were obliged because of budgetary reasons to shoot sort of wherever we could shoot, and you know, it was either Vancouver or Portland or and then L.A. came around, and we there was just something about L.A. I think Joe, Zoe, and, and I. I mean, I'm I li- I've lived in L.A. for about twelve years now, and. And I think there's something undiscovered about downtown Los Angeles that I think is really interesting. And so when that came around, it gave us a sort of hermetically sealed world in which to create the film, which is important. And, and you know, all the architecture we used was, you know, we tried to ignore, like, the L.A. city skyline for the most part mm-hmm. um, and use buildings that were shot before 1950 or built before 1950 uh, and that had a more romantic or classical quality you know and downtown los angeles is is a, is a place i don't know if you've walked down there it's oh like, yeah <laughs> on the on, on the ground floor it's kind of gross i mean it's, it's it's getting better but like it's but if you look up i mean you see these these amazing extraordinary buildings and there's a lot of history there and i think the people that were building it had a lot of hope and optimism for for, for downtown los angeles and there was an era where that uh was fulfilled but but you know, I think this goes into Tom's character, which is like he's trying to find something beautiful in the past or something meaningful in the past. And in downtown Los Angeles, in the places where, you know, people have, you know, forgotten about it. And downtown Los Angeles is a perfect metaphor for that. Yeah, I, I think it was wonderful that you shot it there. I'm, I'm glad you didn't go to San Francisco because in yeah, some ways too. it's been overused as a as a fairyland and romantic comedy setting where, where downtown L.A., I Honestly, don't know of any. It usually turns into a, uh, a, a shoot 'em up, yeah, uh, noir, noir kind of shoot 'em up. Yeah, exactly. Now, what where, what is the the uh, the actual uh, location where where they sat and from where, where is well, the, the park there? The park, yeah, yeah. That's Angeles. Uh, 
but it's Angel's Knoll, right next to the funicular. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, it connects sort of Bunker Hill to downtown Los Angeles, next to the market there. Gotcha. And, um, gotcha. Yeah. I thought it was bun- it reminded me of Bunker Hill. I yeah. haven't spent as much time downtown LA as you, but uh, it looked familiar. But it didn't. At the same time, I really want to I want to applaud you for it. Didn't look like Los Angeles, which I it's, think. think yeah. Well, I have a funny story. Like there is a there is a uh, Michael Weber was just at a, at a screening in New York, and um, he there was all these people. And this woman came. This woman woman came after uh, came up after the uh, screening and was like. This was lovely. I thought it was amazing. This is the most amazing New York movie I've seen in <laughs> 20 years. And we're like, oh. <laughs> what part of Central Park was that? <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Well, now, we'll remind our listeners we're speaking with Mark Webb. The film is 500 Days of Summer. I, 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 before we let you go, uh, the key element of this whole film and, and what we haven't even spoken about uh, so far is uh, Zoe Deschanel, who seems to just embody... Uh, the character, that, she's terrific. You know, the the, the number one that you're thinking yeah, about that yeah. doesn't quite materialize. Uh, how did the I, casting go for that? What what was she the 500th person to walk <laughs> in or the first? <laughs> no, I mean, there's very few people that that could have played this role. And I mean, it's a, it's actually a tricky part to play because it's an entirely subjective role. It's a movie. It's a role that's played in a movie that's about the guy's point of view. So you need somebody who can embody uh, an idea as much as a, a and, and bring that into a, a character i mean like summer's to me summer's not just a girl she's like a phase of your life yeah. and you uh, everybody has to sort of affix their their um sort of idea of that on her and it's hard because we're trying to give that mentality a consequence you know what i mean which i think it is dangerous to if you sort of oversimplify people which in some sense the movie does um, so she was someone who just has a unique presence yeah. and she, she has, she's so extraordinarily beautiful, um, and really personable and very cool. And she has talents that go beyond, you know, uh, acting. I mean, she has an incredible singing voice and it's just, she's one of these girls that you can't, one of these women who, who she's irreplaceable. She, there's no sort of, there's nobody that, that you can't switch her out with anybody else. And, and we felt that it was really important. And, and I remember I met, we actually cast Zoe first. She was sort of the first the anchor of the casting, but I was, I, I was meeting, you know, actors and actresses, you know, concurrently. And, and I met Joe before we, we cast Zoe and, and, and I was talking to Joe about the movie and we were talking about who should play summer. And there's like, you know, there's a couple obvious names, but then he's like, at the end of it, he's like, you know, but really the person who should play this is Zoe. And he had this look in his eyes, and I was like, that, "That's it! Like that's yeah. that's that's the movie right there." And he was, you know, very excited about that idea. But oh, then he got sort of depressed, and I was like, "Why are you why are you about that?" He's like, "Well, no one will like a movie with us because you know I'm not a big enough star, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and you know she's got a little bit more cred, but but yeah, uh, uh, with the studios. But it was like, but but lucky for us, Fox Searchlight, you know, yeah, was cool enough to just let us cast the right people, which is a rare thing." Yeah, no, I just want, let's give a, some recognition here to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He does a terrific job of being this guy. He's, uh, he is Tom, and he does a great job of all the angst and all of the anxiety and uh, the joy, and he does a really wonderful job. The supporting cast is great, but Zoe is, she really is uh, a remarkable actress, and you're right, she has this yeah. presence. And uh, can I just say for all of the 
men out there who might be listening to the interview who uh-huh. have been, who've had their it girl and 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 she's gotten <laughs> away and uh, it's the eyes. I'm telling you, it's women yeah. with these kinds of eyes beguile and betray us every time. No, I'm just kidding. But this is <laughs> this is this is uh, just put it, that chair it, down. Yeah, Mike. no, exactly. Yeah. A lot of a lot of emotions came up for me watching this film, and uh, <laughs> and I, I really uh, I want to thank you and 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 slap you at the same time. <laughs> There is a there is a there is a Twitter that I saw recently that I thought was really funny, which was I'll try not to swear, but there was swearing in the Twitter. It was like I effing hate this movie. You have to go see it, which is which is is my favorite Twitter of all time. Well, it is terrific, and it is uh, it's it obviously has gotten a tremendous reaction. Mark, I'm I'm thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for uh, for the film. Uh, and look forward to more work from you. I uh, hope you'll come back and see yeah. us again oh, from film yeah, school. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. 500 Days of Summer. 500 Days Thanks. of Summer. Mark Webb, thank you so much. All right, take care, guys. Right, bye-bye. To learn more about film school, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.com dot org slash film school.